Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell. We'll learn about their creative process, their favorite cocktails, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm your host, Leanne Sims, along with Blair Beavers. Say hello, Blair. Hello. And producer Greg Hansberry. Tonight, we're talking with Chris Minato from Sidebar. Sidebar is one of my absolute favorite places to go, not just because Chris is a fabulous bartender, and he is, but they also have great food, and best of all, they are the most hospitable place (laughs) in Columbus, Ohio, I would say. Welcome, Chris Bonato. Thank you for coming tonight. Of course. Thank you for having me. So one of the stories I like to tell about Sidebar, and I Mm -hmm. put this in my blog, which nobody reads, but we've, we've covered that before, um, is we were, you guys are on our cocktail tour mm-hmm. and we were having a cocktail tour one night and mm-hmm. it rained. It was the only oh, time goodness. it's ever <laughs> rained on a cocktail tour. Like it just doesn't. And it was torrential. Yeah. While we I, were at, I remember that. We that were was. at Salt and Pine at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we had, we had a full group. I think we even overbooked. I think we had like 10 people. Yeah. And yeah, there was a bachelorette party and then some sisters. <laughs> yeah. So we had, uh, we had I, like, I, I do remember it was all female too, yeah, which it was, I, it was a little strange because you guys do a lot of couples with the tours. So. Yeah. Um, but so we had just a couple of umbrellas and, um, we actually asked salt and pine if we could get the umbrellas from their lost and found. So mm-hmm. they gave us what they had. We tried to get an Uber, and it was just impossible. I think that a lot of people were calling for an Uber that day. And uh, so we waited till it stopped raining. It wasn't all, all the way stopping enough that we could walk down to Sidebar, which is not a, a long walk. Um, but so we walk in, and Tirsa, the owner, mm-hmm. was standing there with towels so that our <laughs> guests could dry off. And, of course, Chris had his uh, welcome punch that he likes to make, and then... Uh, and that it was just a fabulous time, and I just always, that's just so cool. You guys are just all about um, customer service, and as soon as you sit down, um, you have someone bringing you water, and you sure, guys are sure. so attentive, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Well, thank you. Um, um, how long have you been there? Five and a half years now, so you say it like that, and it sounds, uh, <laughs> where, where did it go? But um, I started... Uh, Five and a half years ago, I got hired on April 1st, which was a, it's a funny reaction on an April Fool's Day. Somebody tells you you're hired and you hope they're not playing like <laughs> the meanest joke in the world on you. Um, they weren't. Um, but uh, I went over there from my previous bar uh, on campus where I had been for, I think, five or six years uh, prior to that. So Okay. So when did you get your start and where did you get your start bartending? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably been doing this for like 15 years now (laughs) yeah and uh worked my way up from doing things like you know uh i was door guy number two at my first job uh in college and you know door guy number two doesn't even get to handle the money he just checks the ids i didn't do anything important (laughs) and they were just busy one night and they were like we need somebody to pour shots and beers just chris get up here do just do Shots of beers. Just find out who needs one and get them. And I'm like, all right, you know, 
whatever. I'm just trying to help out <laughs> and uh, stem the tide or whatever. And um, they must have done a good enough job. So they, I came in the next day and they're like, all right, we'll, we'll train you. We'll get you, uh, you know, maybe like two shifts a week and, you know, that, that with your door guy number two job. Still not good enough to come up to door guy number one. <laughs> um, you know, that, that'll be your job here. Was that for, here in Columbus? No, it was out of town when I was in college, oh. so... Oh wow! So when did it? When did you get that spark that you knew that this is what you wanted to do? Maybe after I'd been doing it for um, a few years, I kind of the money was good, and I had floated around a few different places. Um, you know, from uh, just from when I've been in Columbus, I was at a nightclub for a while, which was actually not too far from here. That building's torn down now, though. Um, I was at a hotel, which is not too far from here, uh, went to an LGBT bar for a while, um, and never really found anything that was like great to sink my teeth into. And when I finally got my place on campus, I was kind of starting to see this can be a career. It, you know, uh, was kind of tickling me on the there's a sales component to it. There's a hospitality component to it. There's a culinary component to it. And as I went through more of that and then uh, progressed into sidebar, once everyone else saw what I was doing there, they were like, oh, I get it now. He's not just, you know, it's not just shots and beers and not that there's anything wrong with that kind of work. Sure. Um, but they they understood, oh, this is like a, a career type thing. So. Right, right. So you must have done a lot of research because what we know about you in visiting your bar often mm -hmm. is that you know everything about everything <laughs> with regard to spirits. Like every spirit, to, yeah. I bet I can name a spirit. Just name a random spirit, Blair, and he could tell you the story behind it. Uh, green chartreuse. So uh, Carthusian monks uh, goes back to uh, 1600s in France. Um, uh, two monks uh, in the order uh, carry the half of the recipe through each generation. And uh, of course, you know, this goes back to when uh, monasteries uh, created spirits. You know, champagne uh, is another example of that. Um, where uh, Benedictine for Benedictine monks and uh, on and so forth. And over a hundred different uh, herbs, flowers, and spices. Uh, you know, wonderful uh, with uh, gin cocktails. Wonderful with rum cocktails. Great with uh, whiskey cocktails. Great by itself. So yeah, see, I knew you, you would know all about <laughs> it, um, and you know all about cocktails too. The classic cocktails. You know when they were invented. What? Well, I mean, as much as you can know. Yeah, I mean, I mean like some of these things stories. are a little, uh, you know, apocryphal or, or what you may. <laughs> I mean. And, and some things, you know, we can go back and we can say, well, we have the first printing of the martini and, you know, I don't know, 1830 or whatever from a, a bottle of uh, martini and Rossi that goes back however long or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is that the first example of a martini? You know, who knows? doesn't matter necessarily. Who right. cares? It's in your glass now. And I think that's what's right. the most yeah. important yeah. part. <laughs> it's so fun, though, to read about the history sure, of it. Sure. It's just so it's just so cool. There's just such a rich history with spirits sure. mm -hmm. and with cocktails. So it's just really fun. Um, who inspired you? Is, do you have an ins someone who inspired you, a, a bartender? Um, or You know, a lot of people did. Um, you know, from people I've worked with to people 
who I've just admired from their work, you know, whether you follow them, you know, on television or in print or on the internet or whatever, um, you know, just a few people like that would be maybe Joe Brooke, who uh, was from LA at uh, the Formosa, um, you know, somebody like uh, Giuseppe Gonzalez, who uh, was in New York and uh, had a few different bars there and had his own bar there, and then uh, just recently moved out to Las Vegas at uh, Herbs and Rye and now at uh, Cleaver, which just opened. Uh, also, Nick Tally Mendoza on that same front. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of people who I draw a lot of inspiration from. And honestly, just some, you know, even that are not even part of the quote-unquote cocktail scene, you know, mm -hmm. you, I think you... It's like a lot of, uh, if you're a musician or uh, anything else, you pick pieces or things that you might admire and you incorporate that into how you do your thing and then that's how you form your style, I think. What is your creative process like? When I know you, you have a, a seasonal menu. Mm -hmm. How do you, do you collaborate with your other bartenders? Do you mainly handle it yourself? And, and mm. what, what do you do? My, do you usually uh, my goal is to be a little bit more solicitous of the staff. Uh, I mean, especially since I've been there for five and a half years now. Uh, not that I've exhausted my creativity, but it's, it's certainly time for the rest of the staff to contribute to that as well. I've had more than enough you know, cocktails on the menu that are more of my creation. I'm more interested in, you know, helping them come along and, you know, who's, who's going to be me whenever it's time for me to move on or mm -hmm. whatever. So it's a, it's a more of a collaborative process. Wait, you're not moving on though, right? Well, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Columbus is not rid of me yet. <laughs> Good. We're glad. Um, so what is your favorite spirit to work with? Do you have one in particular mm. that you like? I, I honestly, I, I don't know that I have a favorite single. I have a few, uh, gin of course is, you know, probably one of the most versatile, uh, you know, beyond something like vodka maybe, but, uh, I always say whatever vodka does well, gin does better. Mm -hmm. Um, just because whereas, you know, generally speaking, vodka is going to be a neutral spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, gin is going to have a ton of other flavors, uh, that are going to grab all the flavors that you're mixing with. And, that combination is really where you find the um, the individual spaces. And I always say most vodkas are like the iceberg lettuce of spirits, so I bother, <laughs> but... <laughs> well, and, and it's, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, drink shame anybody who prefers a vodka drink. Yeah. If you do, I'm I'd love to make it for you. I'd love to uh, get your tips from it, too. But, <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, it's just one of those things uh, that often becomes... Uh, the better the vodka is, the the less it tastes like anything or the less it right. smells like anything. That's what you like. It's certainly fine. Um, I love tequila cocktails. Tequila is a wonderful spirit um, because there's, you know, the different offerings of things like reposados and uh, añejos and you know, going on into the extra añejos and things like that. It's, um, again, a little like gin where you can grab a lot of different flavors with what you're mixing. So you're a sober bartender. Yes. When did you become sober? Say almost two years now. Wow. Yeah. And so what is that like? Is it, how do you develop cocktails when you can't really taste them or do you um, taste them? Or? You know, I think there's a difference between, um, you know, drinking and tasting. Mm -hmm. You know, if I take a straw test of something, I mean, you'll never see me take a, a sip from a glass mm -hmm. on something. But if you see me take a straw test, I'm tasting. I'm, you know, trying to make sure, is this right? Is it, you know, on? 
you have other senses too that will help you out with that. Your your nose should be all right. You know, yeah. I, you know, most of what you taste is what you smell. So, um, but honestly, it's that's one facet of it. You know, for the rest of the for the rest of the shift beyond just creating cocktails, you have to be sober for it. I don't know that you can do this job. You know, blind drunk. Of course, I certainly exhausted every effort in trying, but um, you know, it's. Uh, it's just not something I think that I don't think that being drunk is, has any part in being a bartender. It, it doesn't, you know, I, I said once when I saw a guy getting a, a fight during a football game, it was a football player. He's fighting another player. I'm like, what, what are you doing? There's no fighting in football. It doesn't, doesn't make you run faster. It doesn't make you catch the ball. It doesn't make you, you know, block better. It doesn't make you tackle better. It literally has no part in the game. You know, being drunk doesn't have a part in, uh, in your shift. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't see how you could be cash secure that way or hospitable that way or reliable that way. So, but like I said, I, I, I'm not here to uh, run anybody down for it. Uh, like I said, I certainly exhausted every, uh, <laughs> every, every shift I could that way. So. Well, I imagine it's an easy thing to, to slip into because you're getting off late. Mm-hmm. You have your shift drink. You have other <laughs> friends who are getting off of work. Sure. Um, I imagine it, it's tough, and you're around it all day, and I know I love my cocktails. Sure. So. Um, you know, I think different people arrive at alcoholism and different, pe- uh, different people arrive at substance abuse in different ways, the same way I think, you know, I arrived at sobriety a different way, and I think that those things look very differently to different people, and, you know, for whatever sober means to one person it may not mean that to me um you know for I, i've seen things that say like you know a sober person should not drink uh, non-alcoholic beer because it's still you know the the mimicking of the of the act or whatever and i'm like i don't i don't know that that's true i think if you chew uh the nicotine gum you've obviously quit cigarettes or or whatever right. yeah so um for me it was about I had no ability to manage my stress and being in a management role for uh, the better part of 10 years uh, at two different bars, it got to be something where I wasn't coping with my stress very well. I wasn't handling my personal life very well. I became a, a pathetic drunk about it. And eventually you stop even trying to solve your problems and you really just start looking for problems. Mm. Um, you know, every, every reason why you drank becomes the excuse to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't going to work anymore. And you know, it wasn't going to be anything that it, it, it wasn't sustainable past a certain point. Yeah. Is there support for bartenders who choose um, to be sober? You know, for some people, you know, you might pursue therapy, which is what I did. If you pursue AA, you know, much power may it do you. Um, I certainly know a lot of people who, for whom that works. Um, it's not something I did. Um, but, you know, to each their own. It, it, like I said, it looks like different things to different people, and it is different things to different people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I have uh, several uh, bartender friends, whether we're just online friends or whether we're you know, in-person friends, you know, where I would, um, I would text them. I remember the first 24 hours I got sober, I sent a Facebook message to Giuseppe Gonzalez, who, you know, like I said, as somebody who I've admired as, you know, somebody who can, who can be great, 
uh, you're talking about somebody who was uh, nightclub and bars bartender of the year, I think just last year, and be sober. And he's, I think, four or five years sober now. And I sent him a message and I was like, look, man, I, I got to get help and I need your advice on how to do this. How do I do this in this business? You know, what does that even look like? And, you know, he was busy that day. He has kids, he has business to run, but he took the time to reply. And then he asked me, he said, do you think you can not drink today? And I said, yeah, yeah I can do that. I said, all right, man, like, you know, if you need AA, it's there. If you need help, it's there. Like, reach back out to me. And I've, you know, stayed in contact with him, with, um, you know, uh, Brian Maxwell, who's uh, off in New York now, and, uh, other friends of mine who are just, you know, if you're having a bad day, if you're having a, a man, I'm starting to get that feeling, or, you know, it's it's been a long time, maybe I can handle this. You, you can't, and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, you just reach out to people. And I think the thing that you fear when you first get sober is I, I can't do this by myself. Mm -hmm. The nice part is you don't have to. Mm -hmm. So oh, that's great. Support is great. Well, congratulations. That's thank you. really, and thank, thank you. you for sharing that because yeah, I of course. think it's, it's very cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, one of the things I read was, um, uh, bartender from the dead rabbits, Jack McGarry. Uh, he posted something about, you know, I, he had to get sober almost the same time I did. And he said, I can have my career or I can be drunk, but I can't have both. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're talking about, you know, the dead rabbits, which is, you know, right. spirited awards, they have their plates and, sure. you know, if those are your goals, whether it's spirited awards or, you know, uh, that type of worldwide recognition, or even if it's just to have a, a great place here locally, which is my goal right now, mm -hmm. um, you can't, do those things and and be as drunk as as we were <laughs> right so wow wow so speaking of uh drinking though we uh you're gonna make us a cocktail yeah absolutely what are you gonna make us uh i thought i would make a negroni spogliato the negroni spogliato is a cocktail that's very important to me because it's actually the cocktail that got me my job at sidebar um in my first uh, my interview over there uh the bar manager previous to me john tyler um, he was like, I don't know, you know, you've had a lot of campus experience. You've had a lot of like, you know, volume bartending experience. I don't know if that's necessarily right for here. We do need somebody. You have a lot of experience. I just don't know that you'd be a fit. Here's what you can do. You don't have to do it. Don't feel pressured, but I'd love for you to make me a cocktail. And, uh, I knew from some mutual friends that we had had that John likes Negronis and, so I was like, all right, well, I love this drink. It's the Negroni Spogliato. I'd love to make it for you. So I make it for him. He tries it. He goes, all right, pretty passable. We sit down, we talk a little more. He kind of takes a pause, takes another sip of his cocktail, and he goes, I mean, basically at this point, I'm just bullshitting with you. you you've got the job. I mean, <laughs> that's I awesome. Like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and um, he, um, he was like, well, he makes pretty passable Negroni. It's, it's, it can't be that bad. So um, it, it's uh, a cocktail that's, uh, you know, uh, also a nice low ABV offering, too. You can uh, do it with the, the Prosecco. It's not that big gin uh, bite to it. Mm -hmm. And you can scale it up for a party. So if anybody listening has a party at home, you can do it as a large format or in a punch bowl. Uh, or if you just want to make one or two. 
Okay, yeah. great. Well, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to make a cocktail, and we will be right back. All right, and we're back with a, how do you say this, Chris? The Negroni Spogliato. Negroni Spigliato. Which is like, uh, in uh, translation, it's like wrong Negroni. <laughs> wrong Negroni. And so tell us the, uh, the recipe. Uh, so it's equal parts uh, Campari to uh, sweet vermouth. Today we're using uh, Carpano Antica, which is the oldest sweet vermouth, uh, older than the country that we're in right now. So. Wow. <laughs> Um, and uh, top it off with Prosecco. Mm-hmm. And uh, I garnish yours with uh, some dehydrated oranges. How do you how do you make your dehydrated oranges? Uh, we just have a, a dehydrator at work. Uh, it's actually the uh, similar model to the one that they have at, at um, uh, the aviary in Chicago. So that w- as a bartender, mm-hmm. you uh, you peel off the orange peel to make your garnish so then mm-hmm. so as not to waste the orange exactly you, okay. yeah it's just another way of finding uh, more use for a given product um one of the things i'm kind of uh, very 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 happy about um at work right now is we're switching to all reusable straws um so no more disposable straws and we're switching or we're using a lot of dehydrated fruit um most of the uh, skin fruit winds up getting uh, juiced, uh, and the ones that can't just get dehydrated. So wonderful! All right, well, cheers, well, everyone. Cheers. cheers. <laughs> That's good. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. So the it gives you a lot of that um, Negroni flavor that you're usually accustomed to. You know, the bitter, dry, boozy, right. but it doesn't give you that uh, real sharp gin uh, kick because of the effervescence of the prosecco taking its place. And the like I said, the nice thing about that is you can scale it up as big or as uh, small as you want. So if you wanted to make just a few, like we did, you can, or you can also uh, do it as a punch. And you know, um, I've saw I've seen a video of uh, Jacques uh, Bizanut uh, do a video of it for Liquor.com, where he dumps a whole bottle of Campari in, the whole bottle of sweet vermouth in, the whole bottle of Prosecco. Throw your fruit on top. Got your ice in there. I love that. That's easy. <laughs> Little fresh spices and you know, great for the summertime, great for the wintertime, depending Super on spice. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. For me, like a cross, it's well, it's kind of like a really delicious Aperol spritz. I mean, I love Aperol spritz, but mm-hmm. this is like that only better. It, it's a little sharper than the Aperol. Aperol is a, a tad sweeter and a tad wetter than uh, Campari. Um, one of my favorite things to do with Campari is to make uh, a Campari sugar, um, where you just let the, um, the moisture out of the Campari evaporate, and you can do that in the uh, dehydrator as well if you choose. Um, and then when it crystallizes, you just scrape it off the plate, grind it in your mortar and pestle, or put it even put it on a coffee grinder. What do you mean when you say it's wetter? Do you mean the finish? Uh, like it's not as dry. So it's But it's a liquid, so are you talking about well, that? <laughs> I, it's funny you mentioned that. I saw a, a, a meme <laughs> the other day where somebody said uh you know, I'll take a martini, very dry, and it's the guy's first day bartending. He looks at all the liquid ingredients. He goes, <laughs> buddy, I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> so, it, again, in that kind of respect, where okay, it's not gotcha. quite as boozy or, or as spiritous, it's um, uh, Aperol is, uh, you know, 
almost like the uh, Campari light, if you would. Uh, similar flavor profiles, a lot of similar ingredients, and um, can be used in somewhat similar ways. Wow, it's really delicious. I love the <laughs> smell of the dehydrated orange. Yeah, and uh, the Negroni Fuomo, which we serve at Sidebar as well, um, uses the dehydrated oranges, only we toast those with a, with a torch before we serve it. And I think when you uh, toast those uh, dehydrated oranges, it kind of almost gives you the smell of like toasted marshmallows. Mm-hmm, yeah. Those uh, sugars really come alive that way, and it's uh, super aromatic that way. So so at Sidebar, you have a little thing called Tapas Tuesday. Yes, Tell us the about Tapas that. Tuesday. <laughs> um, it's probably our most popular happy hour every week. Um, right there neck and neck with Fridays. And uh, basically how it works is it's complimentary chef's choice tapas um, from 5 to 7 with your beverage purchase. So you come in 5 p.m., maybe 10, 15 minutes sooner if you want to make sure you have a seat, um, and get your uh, regularly priced cocktail, but then you get the complimentary tapas for two hours, and it's usually like six courses, and that will kind of get you from uh, a soup or a salad course all the way through to dessert. It is amazing. You feel like royalty because you don't even have to ask for your stuff. It just, they bring it to you. It just shows up. I mean, I always liken it to like being at like a really great cocktail party, you know, Mm -hmm. where they, you might have a waiter come around with, you know, like hors d'oeuvres or whatever. And I mean, they're tapas, they're small plates. So you can, you know, even if you had all the six tapas and you wanted to have more, you could, you know, you could, if you wanted to order something more, you're certainly free to, I'm not going to talk you out of it. Right. Um, but it's a nice way to sample a lot of different flavors. Uh, it's great with if you're going to have, uh, you know, a few friends uh, with you, and uh, you know, maybe you know, uh, two three cocktails. Um, you guys can all can kind of compare notes. So I had this, and I tasted this, and it kind of went with this thing better. Oh, I thought it went with this thing better. And it's, it's nice that way. It's so fun. It's a, it's a great thing, and you do have to get there early, otherwise <laughs> it, you'll not it, get a seat. It fills up very quickly. I always tell people. You know, if you're going to bring in a group, call ahead. If you're, if you're going to bring in a group, you know, make a reservation or whatever. And, um, you know, do do not underestimate how fast that place will fill up. Uh, sometimes people, uh, you know, kind of think, well, it's sidebar. It's rather large. You know, we have two floors and uh, private event space and the whole thing like that. And it's like, no, man, you're, you, you're, you're not thinking, <laughs> you're not yeah. thinking this through. Uh, so it does fill up very quickly. Well, you have to sit at the bar for Tapas Tuesday, don't the you? The bar, but we also have the bar uh, high top tables and then the patio right. as well. So Oh, it extends to the patio too. Yeah, yeah, oh. because the bartenders serve the patio out That's there. That's nice. Yeah, you got to get there early and that because some people, well, most people when they get there, they stay there for the entire time. It, typical, yeah. It, it's always funny. It's We always call it like the mass exodus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seven o'clock rolls around. I'm ready to cash out. I'm ready to cash out. I'm ready to get. Okay, guys. (laughs) Well, and here's what I want people to know about that. Um, And this is also in my blog that no one reads. Um, (laughs) It's important to tip appropriately for something like that because you could have one cocktail and be full with food. And Mm -hmm. then people think that they only have to tip based on that one cocktail. That is so wrong. Happy hour tipping is different. You don't tip based on your bill. You base you base your tip on what your bill would have been. And sometimes, you know, people will say, "Well, how how am I supposed to know?" Mm-hmm. You you guesstimate, and you know that if you've been sitting there for two hours, you should not just be leaving a three dollar tip. Yeah, I mean, this gets into a, like a long conversation about the uh, you know the merits of the tipping system, and you know, 
where that comes from, you know, whether we agree with that history or we don't, um, how that relates to how, you know, today's uh, service industry employees, uh, the financial realities that they face and things like that. Um, you know, I think I'm probably with uh, Pam Wisnitzer when I say if you got rid of tipping, you probably, I'd probably go find something else to do mm-hmm. <laughs> for a living. But, um, you know, it, it it is one of those things sometimes where people don't necessarily appreciate that, you know, what is industry standard, like a 20% tip, mm-hmm. you know, that buck a beer thing that maybe you did when you were in college or, you know, you might, you might do at your favorite, you know, neighborhood dive bar or whatever, which, you know, God, I love those places. Um, but it's just not the same thing for, you know, a cocktail that you're you're getting served in, exactly. and then you're getting complimentary food on well, top of it. People need to think of it as they're getting a discount on the product, not the service. Sure. And I so mean, they're still receiving the yeah. same level of service. And 20% should be your baseline, not your highest level of tip. That should be your baseline. <laughs> and if you can't afford that, that's okay. Stay home or go to a Bucca beer place, which and is it, great. Yeah, and... God love those places. You know, right. there's, you know, you have a place like, say, like the Highbeck that's been around for however many years that it's been around, and they do a great job. But even at that, you know, you think of a night that they do like the free pizza night on Mondays, mm-hmm. and I'll bet you they have people come in and get either nothing or the cheapest possible thing, tip a dollar, and then stay there for hours and eating, you know, all all kinds of free food, you know. This is our job, and you know sometimes these people are not necessarily, you know, uh, overly employed or, or, or you know, getting uh, always the hours that they need. And sometimes those realities need to be acknowledged, right. when, you know, when you're looking at your bill and it's not, you know, twenty five dollars a drink. Mm-hmm. It's you know three or four dollars for your beer or you know ten dollars for your cocktail. I mean, yeah, I think those things need to be considered. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. So do you have any stories that you want to share with us from all your years on the <laughs> stick? Uh, I mean, every, every shift is its own story, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. What, what are we looking at rating-wise for uh, this podcast? Whatever you want to say. NC-17. We already have the parental guidance okay. thing on iTunes. Okay, so. good. Um, well, then that makes this easier. <laughs> it's, it's funny because this is a story we were uh, just uh, revisiting the other day. And um, this was a very weird night. Um, like I said, we have two floors at Sidebar, and usually the second floor is devoted to uh, private event space. Um, you know, great friend of the bars was having uh, a party up there, and um, his son had been on this uh, kind of a homophobic thing all night, just really kind of like, well, you think that's right. Do you really think that's right? Is that really okay with you? Is that really something you believe? And really kind of, you know, coming across, you know, not necessarily as a wonderfully tolerant person, uh, to put it mildly. And, you know, maybe like five drinks in, six drinks in, he's, uh, he comes up to the bar and he asks, uh, one of the bartenders, he's like, so like, let me ask you a question, man. Is like, you ever, like, you ever had like a customer like offer to like take you in the bathroom and like blow you or something? <laughs> He's like, what? You know, like, you know, like tonight, like, have you ever had anybody like come up to like a really like masculine dude, not like one of these gay guys, but like a masculine? It's like, 
are you asking <laughs> for something, buddy? Like, what's going on here? Simultaneously, um, one of my bartenders who was off shift and brought in um, some friends of his on their bachelor uh, bachelorette party, um, <laughs> he had obviously made a few stops uh, that evening. And, uh, you know, the liquor flows, uh, wine flows, and people start getting a little comfortable, a little amorous, and uh, maybe he decided to defile my bathroom with the bride-to-be. Uh, <laughs> and uh, while both of these stories are going on, <laughs> I got this couple that's sitting at the bar, and um, the woman's kind of getting a little fidgety in her seat, and they're, they've been kind of acting strange, and he, I see this guy, he's got this clicker in his hand. It's one of these remote control panties kind of gimmicks or something. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the most, what, what is going on right now? Full moon. Yeah, I, it must have been because I like the confluence of th the three at once is like, how does that, one in one night is enough. And like, that's, that's three simultaneously. And uh, one of the guys uh, from upstairs came down, told me about what had happened upstairs. You know, those guys offering to blow me in the bathroom. You know, oh, really? Well, you might have to wait for that bathroom because I got my other guy in there and he's got the bride to be. <laughs> really? What's going on down here? It seems kind of slow. Oh, yeah, it would be, except, uh, you know, uh, Mr. and Mrs. over here got a remote control panties going. <laughs> my bartender, Zach, uh, who's at Nightcap now, if uh, Zach, if you're listening, uh, hello. Uh, <laughs> Zach looks at me and he's like, what the hell is going on tonight? <laughs> like, man, I don't even have the foggiest. I mean, it's just one of the things that's really kind of, I mean, it's a crazy example. But that's really kind of the example of what I love about this business is every day is different. You know, you have routines, of course, but every day is different and every guest is different. And I think when you treat every day as different and you treat every guest as different, you kind of, you, like you said, you're, you're in the interest of being hospitable, in the interest of providing great service and a memorable experience. Mm -hmm. People don't owe it to you to come through that door ever. Uh, and given uh, what I've talked about, about, you know, certainly I wore myself out on uh, drinking at work and things like that, you know, you have to appreciate that people come in and patronize you and especially your regulars, uh, but also new people. You, you only get, what, two minutes from the time they come in to the time, you know, they should be getting their first drink um, to make a great impression and to really create a great experience. And they do not owe it to you to walk through that door. So you really have to treat them right. And it has to mean something to you. And I think that if I give nothing else to my staff at work, it's guys, make sure you <laughs> provide this experience to people because. Do you, do you give them any advice on like how do you deal? I know there are difficult people in the sure. world and you've done everything that you can sure. to give them the best service that you can, but they're still unhappy. They're still these bitchy people. How do you train your staff to deal um, with that? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's always a positive resolution to every conflict. I mean, sometimes there just isn't, um, uh, the, <laughs> The great line from that movie Cocktail, which every, you know, bartender has heard. Oh, you're like Cocktail. You're like Tom Cruise. Yeah. All right. We need a new movie, guys. <laughs> we, we, we really need a new movie. Um, but the great line from that movie is things end badly. Otherwise, they wouldn't end. And it's true. 
if somebody comes in and they have a bad attitude or they're just ready to have a bad reaction, okay, I'm, I'm probably not going to talk you out of it. If you're, if you come in with a good attitude, I'm probably going to do everything I can to make sure that you do have a good, uh, a good experience. But probably a lot of that comes from yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're very upset with service and everything, I'll try everything within my power to make that right for you. If everything within my power is falling short of that, I, I really can't do much else for you. I know a ton of great bartenders and a ton of great bars in town. I'm happy to send you over there. I don't know that they'd always be happy to have you, but <laughs> um, you know, depending on uh, who you are and the interaction that we've had, maybe I might send you to, to different places. It's like the it's like the boomerang, but only with your customers. Yeah, and and, and honestly, that goes the other way too. Where if I have a, a really great guest who comes in and has a, a really great time, and you know, they're uh, maybe being a little uh, liberal with the that green paper that we're here for, um, you know, Hey, why don't you go see uh, my friend, uh, you know, this used to be Seth cause he was right around the corner right. uh, or, you know, go see the guys at Curio or, mm-hmm. e- I mean, even a place like, um, go to one eighty five. Yeah. What a great bar. Like right. if you, if you, I don't know if you guys have been in there lately, but like I say this every time I'm there and I have lunch there a lot. And I always say, what have you had to change about this place? Almost nothing. And it's been open since the 50s, mm-hmm. and it's probably going to be open another 50 years or whatever. Like, what a great place. Like, yeah. go in there and treat those guys right, because they're certainly doing everything they can to uh, give you a great experience over there. So. Right. And the boomerang that I mentioned for our listeners who sure. don't know, tell, tell us what the boomerang uh, is. So the boomerang um, is not a specific drink, but it is uh, a drink that you would send uh, with a guest who's maybe making a, a bar hop. Um, although I've seen some very, very, very long distance boomerangs, I'm talking like uh, people sending ones uh, from Columbus down to New Orleans or from Columbus to New York or from New York and back. <laughs> and um, it's just kind of a tradition amongst um, you know different bartenders, um, you know, a way of saying hello to a bar friend. Uh, I do remember, <laughs> this is another funny story with um, uh, a guest and uh he was at Denmark previously, and I would sent a couple of boomerangs to Denmark, and I'm like, man, I'm not sending them anything else. These guys never send me anything. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Gary sent them back with a boomerang when they came into my place, and he had put it in a, uh, a glove, a rubber glove. like A, uh, <laughs> a surgical yeah. glove. A surgical glove. Yeah, <laughs> that he had tied off. <laughs> he sent me a message on uh, my phone like, <laughs> was the most disgusting thing I've ever drunk in my life. And believe me, that covers some ground. Um, and it was like olive brine and spicy and like, I, I don't know. He, he must have found like maybe like some old Malort and toilet duck to throw in there or something. <laughs> Just it was really unpleasant. And I was like, this is the grossest thing I've ever tasted in my life. And he, he replied with, it's wonderful, no? <laughs> so, I mean, it's a nice way to play a, a fun practical joke on your friends, too. But usually it's uh, a little more congenial than all that, you know, whether it's a... Uh, I, used to, I used to send off a lot of uh, half Chinar, half green chartreuse, or, uh, which is, you know, the old Tony's getaway from the curio guys, uh, or the... Um, uh, Half Fernet Bronca, half Bronca Menta, you know, um, 
Yeah, those, those were a lot of fun to send off. You know, kind of industry handshake kind of thing. But then you just put it in any kind of vessel, a jar, a- anything or any that's kinda... sealable. Of course, you know, you can't uh, send an open container off premises and yeah. uh, and all that. But um, you know, an old tonic bottle will work. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 ramekin for your to-go stuff, like your to-go salad dressing. You can mm-hmm. use those too. So, and then the 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 customer takes it to the next bar, mm-hmm. and then the bar makes a cocktail from what you brought. Yes, or uh, they can have it for themselves. Or they can have it for themselves. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> so tell us um, where Sidebar is located and what the hours are. Uh, okay, so we are at uh, one twenty-two East May, not very far from here. Um, Happy hour runs uh, 3 to 7, uh, Monday through Friday, except, of course, on Top is Tuesday, which is 5 to 7, as we talked about. Um, on Saturdays, we have no happy hour, but dinner service begins at 5 p.m. Um, usually, I would say we're probably wrapping up around 11 o'clock, uh, Monday, through, uh, Monday through Friday, and uh, maybe midnight on Saturday. Wow. And when are you there? Um, most every day, but... Um, Usually, I would say you can catch me behind the bar uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. All right. Chris Pinato, we love you. Thanks so much for doing what you do. Thank and you. thanks for doing our podcast tonight. Of course. And that's it for our podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Rate us and review us. Tell all of your friends. Also, check out our cocktail tour at ColumbusCraftCocktailTour.com. Um, you'll find dates and tickets there. Thank you to our producer, Greg Hansberry. And thank you to the band, The Biographer, for um, our original music that they composed and performed. Thank you, The Biographer. And Blair? Please remember to drink responsibly, tip appropriately, as we mentioned, and always be cocktail curious. Cheers. Cheers.